Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Well, here we are in an amazing hinge point lesson in Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 2. And I'll go ahead and start reading it, but anytime you want to interrupt me, please do so, Rick, because this is, I think we missed the point of the transfiguration. And I think that's been critical to the failure of the church to be what Jesus wanted it to be on earth. So, I'll try to back that up by having a look. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up into a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. Uh, It's a word which really we don't have in our English language, um, but it literally means his entire form was changed somehow. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah, Moses, who were talking to Jesus. I want to stop here. Um, We know about Elijah and Moses because we've been to vacation Bible school. We've gone to Sunday school. We've heard the sermons. But we don't know what they look like. And neither did Peter, James, and John. But they knew who they were. So there are several things going on here. To the Jews, it was, it was against God's law for them to make a representation of a living thing. So you, not, a living, not just people, but living things. And it's the same, by the way, in Islam today. That's why when you look at their temples, they're a mosque. They are incredibly elaborate. But look all you want to and you're not going to find a bird, a fox, or a human. It's all, it's mainly Quran, actually, quotations written stylistically. Um, they had, these rules are pretty firm. So there was no way for Peter, James, and John to know what Moses and Elijah looked like from, uh, from paintings or the like. I can remember we had a preacher in Colorado uh, when I was dating my wife. That was back in the Jurassic age, <laughs> a long time ago where he did a whole sermon on that Jesus didn't look like the paintings. And, and he said on the way home that afternoon, his little girl opened up her Bible and there was a picture of Jesus. And she goes, so this isn't Jesus. And his, her dad said, that, that's right. And he said, there's a little bit of silence. And she said, sure looks like him though. <laughs> we, we can get <laughs> I love kids. I just love kids to tell you. Um, this was the entire Marvel Comics universe of all heroes for Peter, James, and John. Nobody was higher up in their panoply than you know Yahweh, and then right in there is Moses and Elijah. So, and you need to get that because of what's about to happen. Um, I'll go ahead and just read that, and then we'll come back if you've got something here. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. 
that's really toned down. I think probably he's dancing around going, woohoo, we're here. This is fantastic. Thank you. Let us put up three shelters, the NIV says. Um, others will say altars. Others will say tents. Some will even say booths. It's all the same concept. And I'll let you get to that in a second. One of you, one for you, one for Moses, and one of Elijah. And then the NIV puts this in parentheses. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. I would, I, I just think that word frightened might be more overwhelmed uh, or in awe. But I'm going to say this and I'm going to hand it to you. Um, and we haven't even gotten to the juicy bit yet. Peter is not trying to pull Jesus down to the level of Moses and Elijah. In his structure of heroes of all times, it is Yahweh and then Moses and Elijah. He's actually trying to compliment Jesus by lifting him up to that same level. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm, I get too excited. And if you don't watch out, <laughs> I'm just going to talk for 35 minutes. So I'm going to uh, take a breath. Uh, this, is, this is a powerful um, this is a powerful text. Um, the, 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 the thought of Jesus, well, first of all, let me speak from um, uh, a particular faith tradition. Um, this passage, uh, um, let us build her three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for the light, was uh, a linchpin for why there's only one faith tradition where people could be saved, that is, engage Christ, be engaged by Christ, be blessed by Christ, and expect all of this to lead them to heaven. Uh, um, there, there's, um, if he did not accept three places here, how can we have more, how can we, if he don't accept one, how can we have more than one today? So, so okay. that part of it was used to say that's why there's only one church. And in, in, in this particular faith tradition, it means literally this one, this one, they wouldn't call it denomination, but this one group of people on earth with this name that does this thing this way can be saved. And this is one of the linchpin uh, verses that's there is fading literally because so much of the of the correct teaching is coming out and being laid on yeah. it. And then when you start understanding what's around it, you understand that that's you're not even in the right ballpark when you bring that up. But but that's you know if Elijah wasn't good enough to have a church for him, <laughs> you know if if Moses, then these other people that established it how can it be and we have the only one and that is to diminish what christ is doing in this world and yeah, what he's actually, doing that's in his creation and, and yeah. i was raised in the far right of one of those churches yeah but they i didn't know they used it that way yeah uh, um and this was you got a healthy mm-hmm. dose of this um two three times a month it, at least <laughs> at least um if you know you've got a healthy dose dose of that uh um and, but the critical part of it uh, is, is that the word for for, for transformation here is it comes th- is our word metamorphosis? It, it's, that's the way okay. we look at it. Okay. Tran- you know there was it, 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 he was transforming for them. It, it's our word metamorphosis, a change on the inside that results in a change on the outside. You, you know he was transformed before them. Okay, so this metamorphosis kind of thing is happening. 
you know, and the, and the shining and everything that, that, that goes on. Uh, um, and so that's how we have to look at what's going on, what Peter, James, and John were actually seeing. Um, and it was something that they had not seen before. They became translucent. Um, that word, and then we start understanding, okay, so that means that our spirit on the inside, God's spirit on the inside of us changes not just the inside where we can hide it and it can be there but, but not really show anything to the point where it comes out where people realize it's there whether you decide to do anything about it or not. You, know, you literally have to, but it's, but it's there. Let me ask you a question. And, and I, uh, once again, we do not rehearse. We do not talk to each other before we sit at the table. So any questions we ask might be unfair because the other one hadn't studied on the point. But wasn't there a feast in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, of booths or tents where they would... They'd, yes, I, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about that, right? frankly, right now. Nothing's coming to mind. Uh, did they live in these tents for a while, or was this something to do with worship? Or um, yeah, I, um, if you think about where I'm talking about, is it, when they celebrated the the Passover. They had the Feast of Tabernacles. Tabernacles like that. Now, as it came to be, the, the practice when they were in, in Egypt, but they would move out of their house into into tents for just for that period of time, showing that kind of change. You know, showing that in a physical. But it was it. it, it if we if we implemented that into a practice of worship, you, you know, and said, okay, this is why we're doing it, and you have to do it, no, it would be wrong. If you look, it would not be what God wanted. If we look back at it and say they did it as a way of celebrating, you know, what we brought up last week mm -hmm. before, this ceremony of remembering in a physical sense what's <laughs> happening in the spiritual sense and what is going on around us, then, yeah, I believe mm -hmm. that it would be very right. Okay, uh, to think about it that kind of, of way because most most of the things even like in, in communion service uh, um, because it's not you have to do this this kind of way mm -hmm. and then this impacts and, and communion does not save a person what it does is it reminds us regularly of the faith that we serve of the God that in that safe what he has done and what we're living for mm -hmm. and we do it um, however often we do it uh, um, to remember that because we forget that when, when Satan puts the pressure on, you know, we can go blank in, in a minute. Mm -hmm. You know, when he puts the pressure on, when he starts rattling us, we can forget a lot of stuff fast. Um, that's why Christ is always telling them, don't you remember, you know, the loaves I did? Mm -hmm. Don't you remember this? Don't. And, and it's, and so, so we need to not kind of laugh when it's said in church, but we're laughing because it's funny the way the preacher is saying it. But it's not—it's not really a funny thing that he's trying to get at. It's, it's the fact those people were being ground up, and so I'll just think about the time when you were in a situation where something was coming at you and you couldn't do anything back. You know, and you had—you know—and you had to start thinking, or either in job situations. Um, where you're giving an ultimatum, you, you know, this, this is what you'll do, this is how you'll do it, or you won't be here, you know, and, um, and don't just think about it if you're working and, you, and you're working with a screwdriver and a nail and you don't, don't think, think about that when you're dealing with people's lives, you know, you know, and their humanity and their dignity and that, you know, think about 
when you're when it's there and um and and that's part of the struggle that's brought up in in the text that we're reading um is that uh you know when ethics your ethics your your more your integrity uh, a, a issue that we're really looking right in the face um I, I believe in our nation right now you know is a crisis of integrity uh, uh um you, you know when you can look right at something and say that that is wrong, you know, when you know it is not wrong, but if I say that that is right, I might lose my position. Uh, they may attack my family. They may say this. They may say that. I will lose all this that I've built for. And you, if you've been through some stuff, if I've been through stuff, if, if the people were talking to you, they've been through stuff, you can feel that deep inside. I understand the struggle that a person is, is having when they say, I can't, I just, you know, I can't, I'm going to lose this. I mean, that is, that is a, a real life struggle. And that's okay. where Christ walks us. And he doesn't walk us in the back door of that. He doesn't walk the back. He walks us right in the front door of it. And then he whispers on the side, uh, you know, we're going through this door. But when I go through, I'm going through the door first. So you just stay right next to me and we'll go through the door because whatever is going to come through the door, it's going to hit me first. It's going to get me. So look at what people, when they've done stuff to you, and remember that when they did it to you, they did it to Christ. Mm -hmm. And he felt it. He felt it before it ever got anywhere near rattling me, rattling you, rattling you that are listening, the thing that you're going through, before you ever got a sense that I'm tired, I'm upset. This was already, you know, in Christ, you know, had already been pushed in front of him. Mm -hmm. And what he then goes through in carrying us, you know, through that okay. door. Well, let, let's circle back here. Um, you know, Peter is very excited. <clears throat> he says, we want to elevate you, Jesus, in effect, up to the, the highest level of our uh, panoply of heroes. Uh, then a cloud appeared, verse 7, and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Now, this is massive. Um, the voice of God comes out of the sky when Jesus is baptized. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Added here is, Listen to him. And that's the sledgehammer against the columns holding up a lot of our, our view of Scripture and the Bible. Um, very often when we read in the Old Testament stories of genocide or calls to commit genocide, or when we read the imprecatory Psalms, imprecatory is not necessarily a theological word, but they use it theologically. It means a psalm that is questioning God, um, bringing God on the carpet for something, or, and usually at the same time, asking God to strike and harm other people. And when you get to the, you know, there are more than one third of the psalms are imprecatory psalms. And all but one, and some people would say all but three, of them do resolve at the end by saying, well, God, whatever you want. But one of them doesn't even resolve. And that was their prayer book. And that was their song book. Keep that in mind. 
when I read something in the Old Testament that says kill all the men, the women, the children in a, in a tribe and I back up and I'm going wait a minute I cannot imagine Jesus the Christ ever giving that kind of command. How do I handle this? Well, sometimes we need to understand that it's, it's language and context. For example, in Joshua, it is very linear. They met this tribe, wiped them out. Met this tribe, wiped them out. Met this tribe. Then you go to Joshua, every one of those tribes they wiped out shows up again. So it is war talk. It's not to be taken literally. Um, and whenever I tell people that the Old Testament is an argument about God and Jesus settles the argument, some get very upset. I, I read a book this last week, reread a book written about the imprecatory Psalms, and it was saying, no, 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 you can't. You, these are all the words of God. They're not words of human beings. And their reason for saying so is, well, they have to be. And I'm going, I don't think they have to be. You know, David called himself a worm. God never called us worms. We're allowed to see the humanity in Scripture. Now, you know that I'm not a, a Bible literalist. I don't believe that that's the way to read Scripture. I believe it, it actually harms when we do. People that believe the Bible is literally dictated by God word for word, they're going to struggle with this passage. Because this passage says... We're not listening to Moses or Elijah. We're listening to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. And when they look around, Moses and Elijah are gone. Now Paul later talks about the law being our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. I had so many good professors. Uh, and I had some that were eh, but I had, so, I had so many good ones. And I, I think of... Um, Mrs. Boswell and Dr. Penny, both of whom taught me the love of language and words and poetry and such. But if you look on the stage, they're not here. They brought me to a point, but I'm not supposed to take them around the rest of my life. Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets. Now, who do you listen to? You listen to Jesus. So when you read the Old Testament, you read it through Jesus' eyes. You read the New Testament, you read it through Jesus' eyes. And this is why, and, I, and I'll stop here and take a breath. <laughs> um, this is why I strongly recommend at some point in your life, sooner rather than later, give yourself a period of about six months to where you're reading the Gospels again and again and again and again until you can recognize the voice of God. And recognize when Christ is really speaking. Um, I'll pull back. But I, didn't even, I haven't even checked to see if he agrees with me on any of this. And he knows he's allowed to push back. But, uh. <laughs> no, that, that is good. And um, just on reading and rereading the thing that you, you said. Um, which is an excellent thing to do. And if I can just add, add to it. Not a but, but just an add to you. Is that... Choose you one or two other, three other translations to read it That's from. That's a good point. That's you know, a, to, yeah. to read it from. Because, um, because as we mentioned before, and I think it came up, it took up pretty much one of the lessons that we take up, is that some translations are going for a word-for-word uh, uh, interpretation, you know, or understanding from the original language to this. Others are looking at it as a 
picture. Dynamic you know, equivalence. Dynamic equivalent. Right. Um, and then uh, uh, other ones are not even trying to be that. Um, they're, what they're trying to be is a, a relevant cultural understanding. That right. That's when you, you, you get, you know, the, the Bible, the soul food Bible, the, you, you get all those kinds. Right. And, and all of them are valuable. Uh, um, you, you don't get to in value, if that is a word, um, <laughs> you don't become just something that's not valuable by uh, only you, you only get on that territory if the person is trying to write away from Christ. In other words, right. trying to write Christ out of this thing. If they're trying to tell this story, um, it, it's like um, taking a, a picture from the, the sky. I'm always fascinated when they do surveillance photos of different you know, countries, whatever, and we're looking at them now today and said so mm -hmm. they're taking this from, you know, 30,000 feet right. or 50,000 feet, you know, and you're looking at, at something you can literally see a pin or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. You can literally see it, you know, right there, whether they're telling you that's there, uh, you know, and and it comes from the fact of, of that they get better at looking at stuff. As you know how to focus in, as you know what. So sometimes you need to look at stuff from way up, and then other times you need to get right down on it with a, um, a microscope right. or something. And yeah. you need to really look down right at that one little thing. Um, when they you put a drop of our blood under a microscope and you say, all that, all yeah. that, all that yeah. isn't me. Or when they're looking at bacteria, mm -hmm. or, you know, all that, all that was on that. No, it wasn't on the table. It was in this little, this little micro, you know, corner right. of it right here. Uh, um, and so there are times when that need, you know, needs to happen. Well, uh, yeah. um, Again, um, Lee Hoonhoek, uh, the the Dutch fellow that figured out how to make a microscope. He actually just scraped something off his teeth and put it there and saw living things. Freaked him out. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> but it did. So I, I get that very much. Um, but before you let go of that idea, people are going to ask, well, what, do you, what would be good examples of each category? Um, in my opinion, and please correct me or add to, if you're looking for exact translations, you're not going to get them because it would be nonsense. But if you want to get the most close that we can get, probably the New American Standard Version, especially for verbs, they really do a good job on verbs. The new, not the old, the New Revised Standard Version. Those are, those are they try to be um, the New King James, I think. But it tries to be a more literal translation of a particular text. And so I'm not as big a fan, but it's a good one. And if you want to go dynamic equivalence, the first thing I think of is NIV. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to go to that next level, you didn't use the word, so correct me if I'm going the wrong way. I would call them paraphrases, yes. like good news mm -hmm. for modern man, today's the English version. Exactly. Okay. Is that, were there yes. any ones that you would add to any of those piles? Yeah, or? no, you, you're, you're, you're spot on as far as I can, okay. I can tell. And the interesting thing is that in NIV, when it first came on the scene, it would not have been considered a dynamic equivalent. It is as 
as it started to evolve yes. forward. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Because at the very beginning, um, most people, if, if they get a hold of one of those earlier, you know, renditions, everything, oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I mean, I like it, but there's something wrong. But then as, and it goes to, I mean, it, it was doing what it was doing, but it just got clearer as things kept coming, right. kept coming out. That's a good, uh, that's a good point. The, the NIV I'm reading is the 2011 revision which I really like a lot. Um, I think it's better than the old one. And by the way, those of you that are thinking about what the good old King James, the King James, there's several things. First of all, the people that say King James only have a real problem because it's been revised so many times that you have to tell me which one of those King James is. Second is, it is using a form of the English language we no longer use. Therefore, it becomes obtuse. Yeah, yeah. It is very beautiful but sometimes very, very hard to understand. And the third is, it is a translation of a late text, which we have a lot of problems with. We found much older manuscripts that read different than the late. You always go to the oldest that you can, which, by the way, foreshadowing, when we get to the end of Mark, we're going to have a lot of fun deciding where it ends because that's, yeah. a, that's quite the debate. What was added later what belonged there. So anyway, I, I wanted to make yeah. sure to wrap that up with a bow because people are going to ask. Absolutely. Um, but, and, but it's too late to give one for Christmas because this is for the 27th. <laughs> but we're, we're not throwing away the poinsettias for now, all right? Um, but, you know, the neat thing is you can get a Bible app and it has hundreds of translations. But I love your idea of reading the Gospels with different versions. That was really good. I'm afraid I pulled you off your train of thought, though, mm -hmm. and I don't want to do that to you. Yep. Um, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. They looked around, saw no one but Jesus. I'll hand it right over back to you. Yeah. They, um, in this particular passage, uh, um, you, you got the thing with Elijah, uh, Moses going on. You've got the, the transfiguration the metamorphosis that's, that's going on, and what's going to come up in our next pericope, in, in the next grouping of scriptures that we look at, is that something's going on down in the valley with the other apostles, because only Peter, James, and John are up right. here, but something else is going on down there. And <laughs> when you're reading it, you read right through this, right into that, and sometimes we leave this up on the mountain, not realizing that it took this up here to set up what Jesus was going to say when he got back down there and what Peter, James, and John would then teach the other apostles when they got down there because there's a little boy down there, you know, that's sick. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they're trying to get him healed, yeah. you know, and they started messing with him. And so you all, you make sure you catch this next <laughs> one because it's going to come up because, and this has directly. Now, with the, the mount here and them, them in there, a couple of things. One is that um, Moses, um, if we remember our, our Old Testaments, um, hit the rock, didn't speak to the rock, and ended up having conflicts, you know. And the last time we pick up Moses, he's somewhere. We don't know where. Mm -hmm. But we know, we know Joshua led the people in, so mm -hmm. we know Moses is gone. Elijah, um, 
was it Elijah was the chair. Yeah, the chariots the, of fire. Chariot. Yeah, he just oh, okay. disappeared by the river. His cloak falls down on Elisha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so and so we can't. Okay. So so when we're reading through, and this is. So when you when you go up in a faith tradition that has to make a scripture fit everything that they're doing in their practice, you you can walk away from a pastor with never never getting what Christ intended you to bless your life with, or for you to really lean on when you needed Him in a situation, or when you needed to reflect back, because you have two of the stalwarts of the Old Testament that never in effect got the blessing. Of being on the other side, because Moses was kind. But when we get to the Mount of Transfigurations, historians tell us that that mountain was in Canaan. Okay, now if if they are correct in, in their mm -hmm. geography and stuff like that, you know, we now see Moses and Elijah and Christ on a mountain in Canaan. You know, so so what Moses went through, you know, his his struggle and then then just you know hitting the rock and stuff like that. The Lord is saying, no, 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 this didn't keep you out. This this didn't do that. The, you, I needed to deal with you here in this kind of way, you know. But we see them all now on a mountain in Canaan. Yeah, that that okay. uh, that's a very important thing, yeah. and it always made me sad that Moses had to die without entering the Holy Land. Mm -hmm. But the next time we see him, he's in the Holy he's Land. He's in the Holy Land, on, on, on the mountain, and, and with Elijah. So, and you said it succinctly before. Um, Elijah represented the, the, the prophets, right. you know. And Moses, the law. The yeah. law. And, and so, you, so you have all those, the law, the prophets, all coming together in Christ on that mountain. And so he's pushing them now, you know, toward this thing of his Christ. Now, in Christ Everything comes together. Mm -hmm. you know, your faith, you know, because if you're in, in certain faith traditions now, that you say, well, they have to keep asking, well, if they didn't have Christ and they didn't have baptism, they didn't have this communion, how are they safe? See, we, and so we, now we've got to do mental gymnastics <laughs> with Scripture in order to, to either get them saved or come up with, well, you know, that was before Christ actually died so therefore the old law was still in and so we go around we go through all that instead of just saying Christ can do this yeah. because he's Christ exactly I, I mean and if we understood that then it wipes away all of the mess that we now have to, Christ doesn't deal with that he's not going to acknowledge you or he doesn't acknowledge you you know it's a mute fact but he's got them there and and that's a key factor of all of this and then um, and the other thing is the um, them seeing just coming up, you know, when all this is done, just seeing Christ is is where we are today. What, what, what is everything we do is for that one thing for us to see Christ. And again, not to see our interpretation of Scripture, not to see our church and what it says and the the, the doctrinal statement you're supposed to sign. Mm -hmm. Not not about any spiritual leader. And so when I'm reading Paul. And I get confused about some things that Paul says. I can go back and just read Christ. And by the way, I got in real trouble for saying that once because people had elevated Paul's writings really superior to Jesus. Mm -hmm. If he said something that didn't sound like Jesus, they still went with Paul. And I'm going, um, always look through Jesus. Always hear Jesus. Go with Jesus. You're safe with Jesus. Mm -hmm. He'll get you to the promised land. You know, um, one of, the, one of the greatest sermons ever preached was by Martin Luther King Jr. You know, I, I, I'm not there, but I'm, I'm, I, it, it still breaks my heart to read it. 
mm-hmm. and know what was coming. I may uh, not get there with you. Yeah, I may not get there with you. It's just, it, again, try not to cry. Mm-hmm. Um, we only have four minutes left, but one of the things I wanted to bring up was this is not a complete telling of the story. It shows up elsewhere. And something special is added that they had come to speak with Jesus about the death he was about to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Now, you go back to chapter 8. Jesus, um, Peter is telling Jesus, no, you can't do this. You can't die. So why is Peter on that mountain? Now we know. Because he sees this death is not a tragedy. It's an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Now, Peter won't get that. None of us would. None of us would have been better at this than Peter, James, and John. It took, they had to live through it to get it. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm so glad yeah. Peter got to go up the mountain. You, you know, um, gosh, what you said is so impactful because Peter, you know, when Christ in this day, when we tell him I'm, I'm going to die, you know, this is what's going to happen. And Peter grabs him by the hand or takes him, mm-hmm. you know, kind of pulls him away. And how, however the scripture frames it in our vernacular today, what he says was, is I'm not going to allow that to happen. <laughs> yeah. Peter says, I will <clears throat> die. Before he, and I he does into, say that, yeah. yeah. I, I, will, I will stand in front of you because he's starting to realize I don't have what you have. And whatever I have, I got from you. So I can't allow you, you know, to die. And that's, that's powerful, you know, and, and, and Peter said because he was starting to get it. You know, and, mm-hmm. and that's when Christ says to him, get behind me, Satan, right. you know, because you're and he's talking to Peter, but he's actually talking to Satan. That's what we right. brought up in that. I think literally there you can see it very clearly. He's talking to Satan. I know you're here. I know what you're trying to do. And you're not going to get you're not going to get Peter. But that may be one of the reasons why Peter. We have so much information to talk about him about, you know, <laughs> because he put himself out there because he's trying to do it. Um, he's going to come running off a mountain with a sword later sword. To, to still try. Yeah. It takes a long time to get this. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Now, and, and if I can just, just oh, wanna, I, I'm going to pull it in because it's not going to come up, but I want the, the people to be able to hear and think about it. This is one reason why when we look at Paul, and we probably have a greater connection to Paul maybe than to the other one because he grew up, you know, a Gentile and worked his way into this thing. But... Um, when Paul, when we first pick him up, the people are handing their their cloaks, their outer mm-hmm. garments, as they're stoning Stephen. Stephen, yeah. okay. So and so that's and Paul was already being groomed, you know, for the head of the of the Roman nation. That's where he was being groomed for. And Christ diverts him. God diverts him, puts him on the Damascus road. Mm-hmm. Okay, and when he's out there, he sees these these visions, you know. He's crying. And so what's not clear unless we really look at it is that while he while he's seeing this, while this while he's on the Damascus road, and then he comes to, you know, allow the Christ, you know, you, you know, our, he's he comes to a realization that if you are real, you are Christ, you're you're real, this is what this is, then who did I just have killed? I mean, n- not who did I throw a stone at. Right. 
who did I have killed? The, the keeper of the garments was, if I understand correctly, the person in charge, in charge. of the execution. Yeah. And, and, so, and so that's, and so when we look at him grabbing with that and, and continuing to push forward and then giving us Romans, then now we start having a foundation to what was really, if there was ever a person that it has some psychological issues, <laughs> you know, and had a legitimate reason to have them. Uh, um, it would have been Paul. He had to work know, through it because when because and it was quick because when all this stuff happened, he, instantly he went to that Damascus Road and then boom, boom, boom. And by the time he gets down, you know, to the city and stuff like that, he's he's like, I, he's broken. You, 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 you know, and that's what Christianity is moving us to is to understand. That God is in us. He created us. This is where we're trying to take each other and, uh, and be able to live in that space through our struggles, through our trials, through our ups and downs, be able to live in that space, mm -hmm. but keep moving forward and then keep allowing ourselves to feel and understand and be, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Okay. We'll have to wrap it up there. We're going to end... Uh, with verse 8 and start at verse 9 because there's some really interesting stuff that starts there as it come off the mountain. mountain. But thank you very much, brother. All right, All right we'll see you next Bye. week.